0: Every Sunday that Dan reads scriptures, I have to come into the pulpit in repentance because I covet his reading voice. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for the power of your word and um, the power of our Lord Jesus that stands in back of his word, uh, converting people from utter darkness bringing them into his marvelous light. Lord, as I have the responsibility and privilege of proclaiming the Lord Jesus Christ as I open his word, I ask that you would um, speak through your powerful word. Bring people who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ to yourself. And for those who do know him, strengthen and reassure their hearts. Build them up in Jesus we ask in His name. Amen. And one of the most encouraging uh, things to me is hearing how someone become, has become a Christian. I especially love uh, to hear when a person tells me that they grew up in a Christian home, they heard the gospel from their parents, they went to church consistently, and they grew up loving Jesus Christ. Somewhere along the way, they were converted from spiritual death to spiritual life, uh, even if they cannot pinpoint the time that it happened. And this is what I pray for the, con- the children of our congregation. I pray that they would be spared the sorrows of living life without the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray they would be spared the sorrows and regrets and troubles For instance, I brought upon myself coming to Jesus Christ um, as a freshman in college. There are many among us who have known Christ from an early age, and I'm sure they would agree with me that it is blessed to come to know the Lord Jesus at a young age. But there are also many among us who did not come to know Christ in childhood. We sowed to please our own flesh, and we reaped corruption. We were self-seeking. We did not obey the truth, but lived unrighteous lives. We sinned much, and after finding Jesus Christ, or rather being found by Jesus, we love Him much. Some of us came from Christian families that read the Bibles uh, that, or that read the Bibles with us, prayed for us, took us to church, but we stubbornly loved the world more than we loved God. Others of us came to Christ from non-Christian families. And I say all this to illustrate that no one, absolutely no one, is beyond the reach of Jesus Christ. Jesus claims people from every sort of background, every sort of circumstance. There's a picture that uh, many people have of Jesus with Him sitting up in heaven, having no more power over our lives than a cheerleader urging a sinner to give their heart to Him. You know, you can hear Him now up in heaven as He's... He's uh, wringing his hands and he's saying, oh, how I wish Johnny would give his heart to me. Oh, Johnny, please come to me. Please have life in me. That's not the picture we meet of Jesus in the Gospels. The Jesus we meet in the Gospels is the Jesus here in our passage. Jesus did not cheer this demoniac into making a decision for salvation. Jesus did not even ask this demoniac's permission to save him. He simply confronted this crazed, demon-filled maniac. The Jesus we meet in the Gospels is the Lord of glory. He is, as the demons rightly confess in verse 28... He is the Son of the Most High God. Listen to how the Bible describes Jesus. Revelation 17 verse 14. They will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them, for He is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. Revelation 19:11 Then I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse the one sitting on it is called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war Philippians two nine through eleven, God has highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Colossians one sixteen and seventeen is very clear. The Lord Jesus Christ created the world. The Apostle Paul says, By Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Psalm chapter 2, verse 12. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry. And you perish in the way, for His wrath is kindled quickly. Blessed are all who take refuge in Him. Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus told His disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. I know from much experience being a pastor, that people play games with Jesus. Some try to make bargains with Him. Others treat Him as a heavenly bellhop to serve them when they need a hand. Still others think He's just a fire insurance policy to to get them into heaven, to keep them out of hell. And I tremble for the multitudes of people who play Jesus for the fool. We like to dwell on the fact that Jesus took the wrath of God for His people. And gloriously and mercifully He did. But there will be a day when Jesus is administering the full and unmitigated wrath of God against all those who are not His people. Listen to how the beginning of the book of Nahum or listen to the beginning of the book of Nahum. The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord is, an aven- is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on His adversaries and keeps wrath for His enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. The Lord will by no means clear the guilty. His way is in the whirlwind and the storm. And the clouds are the dust of His feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry. He dries up the rivers. Bashan and Carmel wither. The bloom of Lebanon withers. The mountains quake before him. The hills melt. The earth heaves before him. The world and all who dwell in it. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can endure the heat of his wrath? His wrath is poured out like fire and the rocks are broken into pieces by him. The Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. But with an overflowing flood, he will make a complete end of his adversaries and will pursue his enemies into darkness. Or again in Revelation 16, verses 15 through 17. The kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the rocks and mountains, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who can stand? Can you imagine standing before the the Lord Jesus Christ on the day of judgment, having played Him for the fool. In this passage, we see the awesome power of our Lord Jesus on full display. After having calmed the storm during the night, Jesus and His disciples crossed the Sea of Galilee. They were going from the west to the east, And they came ashore in the Gerasene region. Um, The Gerasene region is is located in what is now known as the uh, Golan Heights in Israel. It's on the eastern shore of Galilee. It was predominantly a Galilean population. So that's why they were raising pigs, uh, as we'll see in a few moments. Immediately upon stepping ashore, Jesus and his disciples were confronted by this man who had no clothes on and who lived among the tombs. Verse 28 says that when he saw Jesus, he cried out and he fell down before him. This cry was more, was probably uh, like an animalistic howl. This man belonged in a horror movie. One commentator said, "...in great misery and nakedness, he walked among the graves of the dead. He was in utter wretchedness, leading a disgraceful life, deprived of every blessing, destitute of every sobriety, and entirely deprived even of reason." Matthew's Gospel says that he was so fierce that no one could pass this way. In, a, in short, this guy was a lunatic. We don't know what opened him up to being demon-possessed. In my limited, but very real experience, it appears that demons do not possess people at random. But there are certain behaviors that open the door for demon possession. For instance, fooling around with the occult. Occult. Drug abuse, pornography, hatred of a person. I spent a whole day with a person who was either demon-possessed or oppressed by a demon. Praying with this person. Because this person had so hated a person in his life that it had opened a door to the occult in his life, or opened the door to, to demons being um, active in his life. It was a, it was a bizarre day. Um, and uh, it was quite amazing um, when he began confessing his sins. Um, there are people... Just by living obscene lives, no moral restraint whatsoever, just opens the doors to, um, to demons in their life. Whether it be full-blown possession or um, a great amount of influence. We don't know how long this guy had been possessed. Possessed but it appears pretty much uh, to have been in full control of this fellow. He could not be restrained. Verse 29 says that he would break his chains and uh, all his shackles, and he would run off to the desert. He lived among the tombs when he was living near home. And so when Jesus asked his name, you catch what he said? He said his name was Legion, for many demons had entered him. Now, when we think of a legion in terms of uh, the Roman soldiers of the day, a legion was 6,000 soldiers plus chariots and support. So many more than 6,000 people. We know for certain from Mark's gospel that at least 2,000 demons were in him, because there was a herd of 2,000 pigs nearby. And these demons came and possessed these 2,000 pigs. And they, um, when, when they were cast out of, out of this man, and they rushed down into the sea, um, killing the pigs... So by calling himself or themselves legion, I think they were making an implied threat to Jesus. Because not only did the term legion indica- indicate great numbers, but it also uh, suggests efficient organization for making war. A legion of people are fitted and organized to do what? To go to war. To be a mighty fighting force. But in spite of the enormous demons in this man, Jesus brought him him to heal with a simple command in verse 29. And then listen to the demons beg Jesus not to send them into the abyss before the appointed time. Verse 28. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. And then again in verse 31 and 32. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter there, so he gave them permission. The demon, demons, in spite of their great numbers, in spite of the great organization that is implied in them calling themselves legion, they were powerless to put up any kind of united opposition to Jesus. They were entirely at his mercy. And in a sense, Jesus showed them mercy. He sent them into a herd of pigs instead of sending them into the abyss immediately. Although we know from the book of Revelation chapter 20 that the abyss will be their final home. Although it may have seemed like mercy to the demons, Jesus was not moved by mercy toward them. These demons were simply an object lessons to the disciples and to the herdsmen uh, who were tending to this great herd of pigs. By sending the demons into the pigs, which prompted the pigs to rush down the bank and to be drowned, Jesus made it very clear that He is, as the demons rightly professed, the Son of the Most High God. I'll just say as a side note, I was surprised how many commentators were concerned um, why Jesus would send these uh, demons into these pigs to so torment them that they would rush down and be drowned and, and how they wondered if it was cruel of the Lord Jesus to do this. Um, I set that, side, that question aside and simply say that the Lord Jesus was using these pigs for His glory to show the greatness of His salvation that this tremendous uh, herd of demons could not stand against Him in any way, shape, or fashion. He went right through them like a knife through, white, through warm butter. Make no mistake about the power, the might, and the glory of Jesus Christ. Do not toy with Him. Do not attempt to manipulate him. Submit to him. Entrust yourself without hesitation or equivocation. He is the only savior, and he is the all-powerful savior. The herdsmen, upon seeing this awesome display of power, well they ran off to town to tell the people what had happened. So then the people came to check it out for themselves. Verse 35 says, And when they saw the demoniac sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, says that they were greatly afraid. They were terrified. What an unusual reaction. Why would they be afraid? Well, they had heard from the pig herdsmen, not only about the healing of the demoniac, but also about the 2,000 swine that were drowned as a result. You know, a herd that large um, was big business by ancient standards. 2,000 pigs, that's a lot of bacon. All right, well, I attempted. It was lame, but thank you for giving me a little satisfaction with the chuckle. So on the one hand, A demoniac had been saved. But on the other hand, they suffered a great economic loss. It would have affected the whole town. In other words, the people of the Gerasenes preferred pigs to people and the profits from the swine to the salvation of souls. They could not see the true meaning of the miracle because their eyes were blinded by financial loss. There is a cost to discipleship. Look at the end of Luke chapter 14 this afternoon if you're wondering about the cost of discipleship. There is a cost to discipleship and the garrisoning people were unwilling to pay it far more people than we could imagine turn their backs on the Lord Jesus Christ and ask Him to go away because they fear that He will disrupt their lives. So how does Jesus respond to the Gerasenes? Verse 37. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So Jesus got into the boat and returned. Jesus honored their pleas, got into the boat, and left. The Lord Jesus Christ hounded me for months when I was a college freshman. Before I came to Christ. But these people only had one opportunity. And they rejected it. Psalm 55, verses 6 through 9. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake His way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. There may come a time when Christ is no longer near. You may be only afforded a limited amount of time to come to Christ. In fact, all people are only afforded a limited time to come to Christ. Because we all will die. And we all will face the judgment. What is it? Hebrews nine twenty 27. It is appointed once for a man to die and then to face the judgment. Everyone is afforded a limited amount of time to come to Christ. These garrisons were afforded one opportunity. They said, depart from us and Jesus obliges them. Today is the day of salvation. Seek him while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Now, meanwhile, in verse 38, the man from whom the demons had gone begged Jesus that he might go with him. But Jesus sent him away. Look what Jesus said in verse 39. Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. One could hope that through the witness of this demoniac who had been healed, and when it says, that he was healed in verse 36. The Greek word there is sozo, which is the word for saved. He was saved when when those demons were cast out of him. And so now Jesus is sending him back into the city to talk to these people, to witness to these people who had so rejected Jesus that they said, Jesus, get out of here. Maybe they had a second opportunity. We don't know. This man is not only in his right mind and is clothed, but he wants to be with Jesus. This man has been converted. This man has been born again. He is a wonderful picture of what the gospel does in a person's life. One of the commentators said, "Uh, Our situation is not unlike that of the demoniac. Um, there's a difference in the, the horror that this man is experiencing, or a difference in degree, but not a difference in kind. Because all of us are held in bondage to sin. All of us need to be freed from the, the sin uh, nature. All of us need a new nature. All of us need to be born again. All of us need an utter and total deliverance. All of us need to have the bondage broken. All of us need to have our desires changed. Just like this man. He went from a hideous um, creature right out of a horror movie to one who now is sitting in his right mind, at the feet of Jesus, begging to go with Jesus and be with Him uh, forever and ever. You know, this is typical of every true believer. Every person who comes to the Lord Jesus Christ wants to be near Him. Their desires are changed. They are a new creation in Christ. Why does Jesus send him away? Well, I think this... It helps us see that there's a rich variety in discipleship. You know, someone who has a gift in teaching wants everybody to be a teacher and a learner. Another person who's gifted at evangelism thinks everybody should be an evangelist. But there's a rich variety in discipleship. Jesus told the rich young ruler to drop everything and follow him. Jesus told the others. Go home and keep your mouth shut. Don't tell people about me. But to this man, Jesus told him, go home and be a witness. There is no one-size-fits-all type of discipleship. Our good shepherd knows us well. He treats us as individuals. He gifts us with different gifts. Gifts us with different callings. So there's a rich variety in discipleship. I need to close this sermon. As I do so, let me point out the two opposite reactions to Jesus. There's the demoniac who did not seek Jesus, was not happy to see Jesus, but was converted by Jesus' command. Then there's the crowd of garrisons who sought out Jesus after hearing the testimony from the herdsmen. But because they were blinded by their financial loss, they implored Jesus to depart. Jesus could have turned their hearts to him as easily as he drove the demons out of the demoniac. If you think that the all-powerful Savior was able to cast out demons, but was powerless in the face of human unbelief, then you've missed the whole point of this passage. By getting into the boat and leaving, Jesus is exercising His sovereignty. Our Savior is not a weak Savior, having to bow to the dictates of human will. If you have not come to Jesus, if you have not submitted yourself to Jesus Christ, if you have not received His salvation, which is full and free, it is not because you are only you are the only decision maker in matters of eternal salvation. Rather, it is because God has not called you yet. Maybe this sermon is His call to you. Maybe it will be the last call that you ever receive. Maybe He never will call you. I would urge you, wherever you find yourself, humble yourself and call upon Him to have mercy. Upon your soul. For those of you who do believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Dwell upon. Rejoice in the mercy that you have received from our almighty Savior. As we pray together. Lord Jesus. We thank you. For being a merciful and faithful high priest. We thank you for giving us a full and free salvation. Not one that is half measures. We thank you that you did not come just to provide a salvation, but you came to to actually save. Lord, if there are any here who are living um, a stubborn life, Lord, I pray you would break their wills and bring them to Jesus. Lord, If there are any who are downcast, just having a hard time in life, I pray that you would encourage them, that you are a Savior mighty to save. Lord, hear our prayers. We ask it in your name. Amen.